What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Today is the last episode of season one, and I just want to take a minute to express my biggest thanks. Uh, I started this podcast in May of 2021 uh, with no real idea of uh, what I'd be doing or what I would turn this into, and I've been extremely humbled and honored and fortunate to have uh, you know, spent some time with the folks that I've been able to interact with, uh, the positive feedback and growth and just the immense amount of support I have seen. So for that, I am truly thankful. Uh, over the past seven months or so, uh, I feel like I've learned a lot about myself, about others, how to engage in conversation and take uh, meaningful tidbits of information from a ton of different folks. And again, for that, I'm extremely thankful. Uh, you know, I had to write this down so that I wouldn't ramble on because I, I feel extremely fortunate. So to all my guests, both former and those to come, I appreciate you all for taking the time uh, you spent with me to help me push me forward, spend the time and share uh, your life lessons uh, with me and the audience. Um, to all my listeners, thank you for the downloads, the constant support, the following. If you haven't yet, please feel free to follow me on Instagram. It's just the Vanguard Project with periods in between and uh, stay up to date with all of the fun stuff that's going on. I do a lot of stuff on Instagram, probably more than I should, but um, you know, for the next two weeks, I'll be taking a, a sabbatical to prep for season two, which will start January 10th. Um, I'll announce that again here in a little bit. Um, but to uh, again, to all my listeners, thank you. And uh, to all my sponsors. Thank you for showing your support and helping me grow and being part of what I aim to be long-term success. You guys have been there. Honestly, it's been nuts from the beginning, just helping me get connected, push forward, helping with some of the branding and growth and connections and all of these things that I feel so fortunate to have just as, like I said, and pretty much in, in every recent episode that I am literally just some dude outside of Boise, Idaho that, you know, I feel extremely blessed to be able to sit down with some of these folks. So thank you guys for helping me get connected. And, uh, lastly, but absolutely not least my wife for putting up with all of my shit and being there to help keep me grounded, uh, when I need it and help me push in the right direction. And, you know, refocus and uh, remember what's most important when uh, I get super excited because I have a very addictive personality and uh, I definitely jumped in head first in this podcast for a while and she helped kind of remind me that there's a lot more to this, you know, a lot more to life and, uh, you know, I need to remember that I need to spend time with her and outside and taking care of myself and what's most important, which is my family. And so I appreciate her for that. Um, finally, I am excited for 2022. Um, the next two weeks, like I said, uh, I'll be working on getting some guests lined up over the holidays, uh, getting episodes dialed in, edited up, and uh, getting uh, maybe maybe getting into some branding, kind of as I'm sitting down, kind of thinking about, hey, I've got a couple of weeks off of work, getting some stuff put together. You know, I've got uh, some ideas on some flags to get put out and what not, or at least you order a flag to see how it turns out. Um, but hopefully getting some good stuff put together so that when 2022 comes, we are ready to hit it. So with that being said, um, the Vanguard project will return in full force January 10th of 2022 for season two. Uh, I'll be ready to kick some ass. Just looking to take a couple weeks off. It's kind of hard to nail people down over the holidays and I want to kind of take a little bit of a break and have some time snowshoeing and shooting. I just got a new rifle built. So looking to get that dialed in, go kill some coyotes, just kind of unplug for a little bit, but Enough announcements. I'm extremely thankful for you all. Please like, subscribe, review, be ready for 2022. And uh, that's it. Uh, I has I was super fortunate to sit down, get connected with Mr. Paul Alcobi to uh, get his story. He 
played a, a pretty significant role in uh, what happened in Afghanistan, getting at least as far as getting folks out and getting them to safety, the refugees. So his story is a lot of fun, uh, talking about that, his uh, time in the Air Force, and then also contracting, and uh, now uh, his full-time life as a freelance photographer and videographer. So uh, let's let's roll it. Let's have a good time. You all have a wonderful Christmas. Like I said, follow me. Let's get connected. And, uh, yeah, you guys have fun. Stay safe. Get outside. We'll catch you next time. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you new to the show, my name is Austin Jardine, and uh, I'm just some dude outside of uh, Boise, Idaho. I like to sit down, talk to people, get their stories, understand uh, how they got to where they're at. My hope is that uh, by sharing their stories, uh, you learn a couple things. Maybe uh, get excited about something, get involved in something new, find a new way to tackle life. And uh, with that being said, I've got Mr. Paul on the phone with me. Uh, we got connected through Chase, gosh, just a couple of days ago. Like we got this thing on the books like really quick. So I'm excited you and I were kind of shooting the shit just a little bit beforehand. And you've lived, you've lived a life. So if you don't mind, like introducing yourself a little bit, and then uh, I'll just start to uh, start to interrupt and uh, we'll get to know you a little bit. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, my name is Paul Alcobi. Uh, I'm a full-time photographer and filmmaker uh, based in Orlando, Florida currently. Uh, moved down here about a year ago this week, actually, uh, for a job that I took full-time. Uh, and now I'm back to full-time freelance. So a lot of changes and uh, a lot of stuff that's happened uh, just this this past year that I think is going to be awesome to dive into with you. Yeah, it's awesome. So I know that I was looking through your pictures and stuff earlier today and you do a lot of crazy fun stuff. Have you always been like a photographer and into videography or was that something that you kind of developed into over time? Uh, so backstory on that, uh, when I was a kid, I skated, uh, skateboarded and pretty much would occasionally have a film camera or a, you know, an old school, like Sony uh, camcorder type deal with a fisheye lens on it, and a top handle. But outside of that, never really got into anything further. Uh, when I separated from the military, I, I started working some uh, DOD contracts and randomly started uh, picking up a camera again, just as more of an outlet for myself. Uh, someone offered me some, they were like, hey, you want to come shoot some photos and I'll pay you. And I uh, kind of just snowballed from there and ended up leaving contracting and more so pursuing uh, photography and, and filmmaking full time. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So part of I know your background and some of the stuff that we talked about that I'm definitely interested in and talking about is your military experience. And then also particularly around helping some of the refugees the past couple months. Do you mind talking about, you know, how you got involved in the military, what drove you that path and, and how you got because you said you were a medic, which I've got a huge respect for you guys, because to be able to do what you do under pressure is something else. So do you mind kind of just sharing how you got into the military and, and what led you down the medic route? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so becoming a medic wasn't really by choice. Uh, I actually went into a special operations career field in the Air Force. Uh, unfortunately, didn't make it through the training pipeline. Uh, life happens, right? And I mean, people quit, people wash out, stuff like that. Uh, I kind of ended up just stepping away due to family. Uh, some, some might say I was quitting. Uh, it is what it is. And uh, ended up 
being told I was going to medic school after actually almost getting discharged. Uh, basically, it was a furlough of 2013. Uh, they were pushing people out of the Air Force in droves. And I managed to just outwork people at that squadron and get a recommendation to stay in the Air Force with whatever job they gave me. So next thing I knew, I was at Fort Sam Houston, uh, which is an Army post, and going through medic training. Uh, from there, my follow-up assignment was actually uh, Launch Duel Germany, where I worked with the Army for two years. And uh, it was actually, for the most part, a really good experience. And I actually did feel like I was getting to make an impact, uh, even if I didn't fully see the, the bigger picture at the time. So that was uh, definitely formed a lot of my, my life and what it is today. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you moved from the, the special operations tract into the medic route, I know that some people have a hard time kind of feeling, cause I know that you looking at you, right. You're like, yeah, some people say I felt, or it looked like I might be quitting. Right. When in reality, you've got your family stuff going on. Some people have a hard time coping with kind of that sense of moving on, right. And having to change tracks, right. So you are probably extremely dedicated to, you know, special operations, family, life happens, moving on to a different route. Right. I mean, that, that kind of pivot is difficult. How were you able to navigate that without kind of losing sense of self? Oh, that was, I mean, that was definitely one of the biggest hurdles I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, you know, and I've, I've actually spoken to some folks, uh, you know, going into the military and, and uh, even uh, spoke on a podcast about that specifically. Uh, long story short, it's, it's never going to be easy, right? You, you try to, you put years uh, at times into committing yourself to something like that, and then you fall short. And I think there's definitely a big identity piece there that, that uh, you know, it puts you into kind of a hole, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm a failure, you know, I'm this, I'm that. And in a sense, the military kind of uh, treats you like that as well. Uh, even when, when you get to your like follow on, uh, like tech school or, you know, uh, whatever you kind of get treated like a piece of shit. Right. And, right. uh, we were all treated like these like outcasts and we had like stencil, you know, stenciled, uh, t-shirts and whatnot. So it was, it was really just trying to figure out, uh, applicable lessons from that experience and, and carry that over. And I, I was by no means a, a good airman. Um, I would like to say I was a good medic. I mean, some people may say otherwise, uh, and that's fine, but I, I'm, I'm glad at what I got to contribute. And, uh, at the end of the day, I volunteered and, uh, I have to kind of put that in the rear view. Right. Um, I know speaking to a, a very close friend of mine recently, uh, he was telling me as a active duty, you know, combat controller, he was kind of glad that I didn't go that route based on his experiences and that I was able to contribute in other ways. And I think that that's something we as humans need to look more at, right? Like the grass is always greener to everyone. Right, right. You know, if someone, if someone uh, doesn't make it with a sports organization or something like that, they're going to sit there and ponder like, oh, why didn't I? And they're going to look at that and, and still have that mentality of, oh, it must be so much better over there. But in reality, it may not be. So. Right. Right. So <clears throat> when you're having those conversations with your buddy, uh, was that an easy conversation to, to start or, or was that something that you were like, Hey dude, like, I kind of want to talk to you about like, here's how I'm feeling. That's what I'm thinking about. And he's like, dude, fuck, it's actually worse than you would have expected. So oddly enough, he's actually the one that brought it up. Really? Um, yeah. And we were just talking about life experience and uh, he's coming up on, um, you know, separating from the military and uh, trying to figure out what's next for him. 
So we were just kind of having this back and forth and uh, we've known each other pretty much since the start. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's always going to be that, right. We're, we're always going to look at someone else's experiences. And I think we, we all fall into that comparison trap. Right. And, and he's deployed and done amazing things uh, for this country. There, there's no doubt about it. He's saved countless lives and, you know, he's carried out everything that this country has asked of him. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we had different routes, but we both still, you know, did, we contributed. And that's what I think matters the most. Uh, and kind of dissecting that a bit further, looking at, hey, you know, we may have different experiences, but we have a lot more in common than we realize. Yep. So if that makes sense. It does. It does. No. And, and I'm, and I'm asking because, you know, to your point of everybody falls in the trap of comparison, right. And grasping greener, having those types of conversations, I think is important. Right. And having a bit of a tact and, and learning from people, other folks, right. How to ask those questions and say, Hey, tell me about your life experience. Here's why I want to, here's why I want to know. Here's what I'm thinking about. Let's, yeah. you know, almost like, almost like fishing for self-validation, but also like in a healthy way. I think is what I'm thinking about in this conversation right now, you know? Yeah. It makes complete sense. There's uh, you know, a wide variety of things that uh, I think we, we many times place labels on ourselves that, you know, a label at the end of the day is just that a label. Like uh, a lot of people have that, uh, that like dream job title for whatever yeah. reason, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a title. It, it, it means nothing. Right. Yeah. So that's true. That's true. So up until this point, was there anything that you had learned, you know, whether that's going through, you know, the selection process, pivoting, you know, maybe up until retirement from the Air Force, right? That you're like, man, here's something that I wish I had known or that I'd learned that I wish somebody would have told me. Um, you think either somebody that's in now or is contemplating the Air Force should know. Honestly, I think uh, there's in, in regards to the the selection process for uh, anything like that. I think there's an overwhelming amount of information out there. And uh, many times I do wish I had not actually uh, looked into that information, right? It's uh, almost like that, uh, you know, racehorses have blinders kind of thing. Yeah. Just go in with blinders and just, you know, focus on the task at hand. And that, I think that applies to the military in general uh, because you don't really know what you're going to end up facing, right? I mean, look at, you know, uh, this past summer uh, with Afghanistan and the withdrawal. You know, everyone that was on the ground out there, I mean, they never expected to, to deal with that in their life. You know, so I, I think that applies to the military as a whole where um, don't don't have expectations. You know, everything is going to change, uh, especially, uh, you know, things happen that will completely shift a, a selection course or the trajectory of your life. I mean, uh, and that's just that's just the reality of it. So. I think that, and then also just being uh, more willing to listen. Uh, that's one thing I was, I was pretty horrible at, uh, you know, just <laughs> like sometimes you just got to shut up and, and listen. So. Okay. So I'm hearing uh, listen and uh, don't, don't overthink things. Analysis paralysis yeah. is a real yes, thing. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. All right. There's, uh, so it's funny. I'm actually wearing their shirt. Uh, the, the guys at one's ready. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Yeah. Trent, I interviewed him. Yep. Yeah. He's a cool dude. He's okay. funny. Yeah. So I've known Aaron for about, probably about 11 years now, actually. And, um, you know, we talk about it all the time where, I mean, they get the, the craziest questions and it's just like, just, just go and do it, you know, just train and go and do it. Uh, and that, I think that, that again, just applies to life, right? Like 
just make it happen. Um, there's, there's an overwhelming amount of just information everywhere. Now we have like information overload and that's why, you know, I'm sure you as well have to step away from social, yeah, step away from everything just to, to kind of, uh, feel better about life. <laughs> Normal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's uh, definitely a big takeaway for me. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I did interview Trenton. I, if I remember right, I think that he did say at some point you have to stop reading all of the other things, right? Focus on really just executing to what it is that's in front of you to exactly what you said. Right. But it's funny because from what I understand, the questions that he gets are actually from younger kids, right? Like 18, 19, 20. So it's kind of funny because like you kind of, when you listen or watch some of his live videos and you see the questions pop up, you're like, you definitely can tell that like, that's a kid. Like he's curious, like, you know, It's weird because uh, I turned 30 this year and I got to the point this year where I started looking at, you know, all those 18, 19 year olds as kids. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I know I turned 29 and I look at him and I'm like, I shouldn't say that you're a kid, but I'm twice as old as you are. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's funny. All right. So, <clears throat> so you retired. And then I know that you'd mentioned that you went into the contracting world. I'm not familiar and I don't really know what all can and cannot be said, but for guys that might want to go into the contracting realm, do you mind sharing what that looks like? And if that's a, how to maybe determine if that's a good option for somebody? Yes. So, uh, well, so just to clarify, so no one uh, freaks out. Um, so I separated, uh, I didn't, you know, I, I did four years active duty. Let's, let's be clear on that. Just did my time and got out. I, uh, had certain things I was sick of, uh, and just was like, screw it. I'm out. Uh, so I, I didn't plan on contracting. Uh, actually the, the air force kind of messed up. Uh, and this, this was a whole thing. Uh, it took me about a year after I separated to get my DD 214, which I'm not sure if if you know, that's, you know, pretty important piece of paperwork. (laughs) Um, so I actually had to, to get a, uh, uh, congressional letter generated in order to get my DD-214 from the Air Force. <laughs> like, no, you're fucking yeah. stuck with us. <laughs> yeah. So now I have this, like, I every time I, I have to use my DD-214 for something, I have, like, an additional document attached to it. And people are like, what is this? Like, is, are you sure this is a real DD-214? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Believe me, I'm sure. It's, it took a year to get. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I didn't intend on getting into contracting. Um my, the first company I worked for, I, I taught med. Uh, so I, I was teaching like PCCC to, uh, you know, various different agencies uh, at the local, you know, and sometimes the federal level, uh, even taught like school teachers with, you know, active shooter stuff, whatever. Uh, never, never dove into like tactics or anything that I, I wasn't, you know, involved in. I, that, I stayed in my lane and, and did my thing. Uh, so I taught those classes. And then from there, uh, I had an opportunity presented by a uh, uh, SF buddy of mine, a uh, special forces buddy of mine, who um, hit me up one day and he was like, hey, man, uh, are you looking for work? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> and he uh, he presented a pretty unique opportunity and I got to actually do some some pretty cool stuff that uh, went a long way. And I learned a variety of new skill sets. Uh, and, and that was the coolest part about it. Um, that being said, the the contract world is a pretty murky one and there's 
you know, very hundreds and thousands probably of different companies that uh, are involved in some weird stuff at times or, or are going to rip people off or, you know, contracts change hands. And next thing you know, your, your day rate is different than it was the day before. So there's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy world to navigate. The main thing is, uh, if, I guess, if anyone is looking into contracts, realize that uh, there are times where you might be getting offered uh, there, you, you could go take a contract overseas that's $300 a day and way too dangerous yeah. and you're not going to have any support and you're potentially going to get, you know, left out to dry and it's just not worth it. Uh, I think there's that world. Uh, I know people that have, have worked in contracting for years and love it, but it is not uh, everything it's hyped up to be. Uh, you know, you live out of hotel rooms or, you know, you're, you're gone 60 days, come back for 30, whatever. And it's something that people have to accept, uh, if, if you're going to live that life. Um, I, the route I took, I, I think was a more, uh, untraditional route. Uh, I got to basically pick up very quick contracts, uh, quick turnarounds and I would stack them. So I would end up working like three weeks and the rate was good. And for the most part, I was never really at any risk. So that was kind of cool um, because there are contracts that aren't overseas uh, or in places that are going to put you at, you know, an insane amount of risk and you make the same amount of money. So, and <laughs> now, I mean, you could pretty much go work at like Trader Joe's and make the same amount of money. Some of those contracts. <laughs> so, I guess it depends what you want in life. Uh, that was a really long-winded answer to that, but no, that's good. Thing, and I'm by no means a subject matter expert. <laughs> so, yeah. Fair enough. So yeah. I know that you played a really big role, I guess, and I don't know how best to say that a, a pretty important role in helping uh, with the uh, Afghanistan withdrawal. Do you mind talking about kind of what you did, the role that you played? And then to the extent that you can, um, maybe some ways that folks can help you still. Yeah. Uh, so for the most part, I'm, I'm not really involved uh, that heavily anymore. Uh, there, there are still some aspects and uh, I'm, I'm trying to help facilitate, you know, maybe some legislation, stuff like that. Uh, early on uh, during the HKIA days, which everyone watched unfold all over the world, uh, I was messaged by a friend, a really good friend of mine. He's a, a former uh, recon guy. Messaged me and said, hey, I have a friend who is looking to get an interpreter out. I don't really know who to go to. Do you have any ideas? And I got involved. Uh, I reached out to a couple of folks and, and started kind of helping to facilitate that, uh, dealing directly with this interpreter who was helping to get this guy's interpreter's wife out, who was still with them. Uh, that whole situation got pretty chaotic, but in that time, I had established some some contacts, uh, started kind of you know pushing and trying to essentially build assets that could help either on the ground or help facilitate travel, etc. And ended up helping some other folks. Uh, one of them being Zabi, who I ended up helping uh, a, his former lieutenant uh, essentially get him out of country, which. Uh, it took multiple attempts. We ended up having a Marine who was able to come out and, and grab him 
eventually after uh, he had been shot at by the AMA and um, literally I have voice notes with this guy literally just hearing you know rounds go over his head and he's laughing and talking to me completely calm <laughs> dude what is happening like <laughs> uh, yeah I mean it, it was that was uh, probably the bar none the craziest week and a half two weeks of my life yeah was dealing with H Kaya and I, I got involved pretty early on uh, wasn't sleeping, was barely eating. I took, you know, paid time off from work, um, and was just, you know, in my living room, in my underwear, just, you know, basically running international operations, if you will. Uh, so it was pretty crazy. And, you know, the amount of technology we used sitting on our laptops and on our phones, like basically live tracking these folks on, you know, WhatsApp on maps, and being able to guide them to, to various different checkpoints and stuff like that using, uh, you know, going a few days with, you know, people on the ground. Uh, and, you know, I, I had some folks really, really help me, but that was, you know, so early, the early days of that were pretty chaotic and, you know, it got, it started to get weirder, obviously. Right. Uh, as that was happening, I kind of dove further into the, the network of organizations and groups, uh, and a individual named John Reed reached out to me. Uh, he's a former SF medic. And he was like, hey, I've been seeing you in all these groups. Um, you seem to be making a, a pretty big impact. Would you be interested in kind of partnering up and see what, seeing what happens, right? Right, right. So, uh, you know, I gave it some thought. I looked him up. Um, you know, I, I like talking to him. And uh, from there, we kind of set up... Uh, what we called literally the network as a joke, uh, because we didn't have a name for it. And it was about 50 people, uh, that I ended up kind of running ops, uh, for. So I, I was, uh, essentially referred to as the coordinator and was able to basically move around a bunch of puzzle pieces. So, I, you know, I would take, uh, we had, you know, various different assets, both on the ground. We had, uh, some folks, some contractors on the ground. We had some conventional folks. We had, uh, you know, a couple soft teams on the ground as well that were basically doing snatching grabs for us um, yeah. of various, uh, you know, vetted people. And that was the big thing that we, we tried to pursue was making the process easier and safer for the people on the ground. Because okay. the, the holdup was you would have these Afghans show up at the gate and they would go to get in. And then, you know, the, the you know, soldiers, airmen, Marines, you know, sailors on the ground would sit there and have to vet them. Right. right? So they're standing there with paperwork and, you know, essentially putting them at risk for 45 minutes, an hour or whatever, trying to get these people in. Okay. Uh, what we would do was go through all of these people's paperwork, make sure everything was good to go. We would set, send documents and photos to the operators, uh, you know, soldiers, you know, whatever on the ground. Yeah. Whoever. Send that, that information over to them. That way, when the families got there and showed the correct bona fides or, you know, gave verbal whatever, they were able to get grabbed and speed the process up. So we were cutting it down to, you know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, uh, sometimes maybe even five minutes. So they were able to get more people in the gates. Wow. Right. Okay. Um, so that, that was kind of our goal. And then this kind of transformed into this, this pretty crazy operation that we were running, uh, where I didn't sleep for, I think it, the, the longest stretch was like five days. Uh, I think I'd maybe gotten like two hours of sleep in that five days. Um, you know, dealing with directly with congressmen, calling my phone at two in the morning and asking for favors, uh, all kinds of weird stuff 
that happened, you know, so pretty incredibly rewarding experience. Uh, and I'm, I'm very grateful to have done it and done it with the people who I, you know, I, I have lifelong friends from it, um, both Americans and Afghans, uh, and even, you know, some, some partner force folks from, from other NATO, uh, countries. Yep. And I think the, the, the big takeaway is just, I think as humans, we have to start kind of caring more about each other. Uh, there, there was so much that happened within that, that, um, I look back on and I'm just like, how, like, how did this happen? Right. Uh, for instance, I mean, one, one story I will talk about, I guess, is, uh, a friend of mine who, um, he's a contractor. Uh, he is a, uh, sorry for saying us so much, by the way. No, you're fine. You're fine. (laughs) I'm trying to think how I can describe him. So he's a, now a former contractor. He essentially was a, uh, a mobile security type for an agency. There we go. And uh, he <laughs> called me and was like, hey, I need help uh, moving someone, but I don't know how to move him. Uh, I, I had him and he's like, and I can't so. tell you who he is. Wink, wink. Yeah. Yes, kind of. I, that got me into some even weirder stuff, actually. <laughs> we won't go there. That's I forgot fine. about that one. Yeah. But uh, so I'm like, okay, well, you know, what's the problem? He's like, well, I have this guy. He needs to get onto HPIA. Like he is a, you know, top priority for, for various different uh, people and agencies. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, why can't he get there? He's like, well, he doesn't have a car and he's being hunted. So as this is happening, I start reaching out. A friend of mine is like, hey, I have a bus that I need to get onto HPIA. I don't want to get it to the gate. I want to get it onto HPIA. I'm like, okay. Well, I have a guy that I need to get on to HKIA and he's guaranteed to get on. If you want to make a deal with me, I will get the bus on to HKIA as long as my guy is on that bus. Okay. So we basically worked that deal out. Every, everyone's happy, right? Um, I hit up my contact that's on the ground who is an absolute legend. Uh, this dude was, he, he saved countless lives and he is like the most modest, just, you know, conventional army dude. Yeah. You'd you never know. know yeah i mean this kid saved so many lives and uh i, I can't thank him enough and meanwhile I'm, I'm pretty sure his command the entire time thought i was a spook like they thought i was like state department <laughs> or something but uh yeah yeah so if they're listening he did good things uh so long story short we basically you know worked this deal out where this guy is guaranteed to get on that bus the bus is guaranteed to get into the gate uh, as this guy is going to meet the bus, the Taliban shows up at his house with, you know, dudes trying to kill him and he's with his family. Um, long story short, that guy smokes three of them, grabs his kids and his wife and goes and gets on the bus. <laughs> so we coined him Gan Wick as in Afghan Wick, uh, for, you know, for his efforts. <laughs> and, and now he's Afghan Wick. Um, but yeah, so that bus essentially uh, was rolling there. I had another guy who's a an operator hit me up and say he had a bus as well with someone on there that needed to get on the HKIA that was a uh, very important asset. And I bundled these buses together and had my, my uh, amazing E5 Army bro get both buses onto HKIA and 
I think it was, you know, well over like 150 people got in in one go. Uh, but you know, it, it was stuff like that, that you're just like, what, what is happening? Like, I'm just a dude in my living room in Orlando. Like this is <laughs> in this your be happening. Yeah. This. Yeah. Literally like no sleep. I'm pr- I probably was like 10 cups of coffee in that day, just, you know, raging on adrenaline. Um, you know, I, I was like calling the Pentagon at one point, like yelling at people and apologizing to them. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> like, I need to speak to CENTCOM. <laughs> I'm like, like, what? So, um, yeah, some of that stuff that went down, man, was uh, like absolutely incredible. Uh, and there were some some points that were terrifying. Yeah. Uh, like Zabi, the guy I, ref- uh, I talked about earlier, he uh, at one point, uh, it, and this is actually, it's in uh, USA Today. So we had him, uh, he basically hits us up and he's like, hey, I don't have money. And we're like, okay, well, like, what do you need money for, dude? Like, we're trying to get you out. He's like, well, I got to pay to sleep. We don't have food, so we got to buy food. And we're like, okay, well, what, you know, what can we do about that? He's like, oh, he's like, here's my crypto portfolio. And he just shows us all his crypto. And then Corey ends up sending him a bunch of money on crypto, on, uh, you know, Coinbase. So he sends him, you know, X amount of dollars and homeboy just starts, just peeling off the X and I'm watching this. I have, you know, WhatsApp up with like a live map. And yeah. I had this, this, uh, I had at the time a massive curve monitor and I had a live, uh, essentially someone posted all the coordinates of the Taliban checkpoints throughout Kabul. Oh. So I'm literally tracking this dude through these checkpoints. And you're like, don't and go just watching here. His little, <laughs> yeah. And he's just going and I'm just watching this, just, you know, like shitting myself. <laughs> And then it just, the signal just dies off and, like, and I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, like this thing's dead. Right. And then 45 minutes later, he just resurfaces. He's like, Hey bro, got, got the cash. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Like, You're like, that's the sketchiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like just ripping around cobble and like a taxi went and got crypto exchanged and then took his buddy to like go check on his pregnant wife. And then just shows up at the airport. He's like, bro, I'm back. <laughs> you're, right, like, you're like okay yeah, that's dude. the best form of camouflage ever i guess yeah so i mean there, there were just so many crazy instances of stuff like that I, I could talk for days probably about like everything that went on out there um dude that's nuts so i don't know if any event like that will ever happen again in our lifetime but in the event it does right i imagine you learned a whole hell of a lot right and you yeah. said the biggest thing at least, at least in the beginning, you said the biggest thing is we need to learn to care more about people, right? What were some of the other big things that either you learned how to do or learn to value more throughout all of that? There's a lot. Uh, so one thing I've always been good about in my life is, is networking. And I think the, the big thing about networking that, you know, in business, in, you know, life in general, a lot of people fail to realize that that networking is really a just hearing people's stories and learning more about them yeah. uh, and, and being able to kind of like this, right? Like we're, we're essentially networking right now and yep. it becomes a mutually beneficial thing, right? That that's what it has to be. Uh, I think too many people are concerned with here and now and just getting what they need and moving on with their lives. Um, 
that whole situation taught me a lot about resourcefulness and understanding that, yeah, like there are certain aspects of that situation that are completely miserable and horrible and should have never happened, but people are able to come together in those times and actually do some good. Right. And we can put our differences aside at times. We can, you know, I, I didn't care if anyone's politics were different than mine. I didn't care, you know, like none of us cared. We came together for, for a common goal. Uh, and, that, and I think that's something that, that is taught in the military in general, but um, it, it's, it's that, that human element that we are able to take and, and utilize in that time and pull in people from every which background, right? I had, uh, like I said, probably about 50 people in this organization at, at any given point at, from varying backgrounds. We had, you know, tier one operators. We had, you know, former intelligence analysts. We had, you know, subject matter experts that were in the region for, for 20 years right? Uh, training assets and, and, and doing stuff. We had congressional aides that, that one, one of which I still want to choke out, but, um, <laughs> you know, everyone that was involved uh, for the most part had pure intentions. Um, and, and that's what I think kind of came to, to fruition for us was realizing the impact we were having because of that. Uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't put anything out there overtly about really what we were doing. Uh, I did end up in the Washington Post with John, uh, because we, we were speaking to certain aspects of it, mm-hmm. but we weren't out there to, to get our names out. I, I actually didn't even know they were going to release my last name. And when it came out, I literally was, I, I got a text message from someone. They're like, Hey, you're in the Washington Post. I'm like, what? Like I knew the article was coming out, but how do you know it was me? And they're like, it yeah. says Paul Alcobi, Orlando, Florida. <laughs> and you're like, Fuck. dang it. <laughs> I still get, I still, people still message me. Really? People were calling my mom. Like <laughs> my mom was getting like phone calls. She was, she was like, I don't know if this is the Taliban. I don't, she was like freaking out. Like, this is horrible. <laughs> but uh, it, I mean, there, there's so many takeaways, you know, it, just in regards to that and being able to put, um, you know, the, really those differences aside, right? Like I, I remember at one point I was, I was talking, um, I was talking to uh, Zabi actually. He, he was the first guy I got out and uh, <laughs> I'll always be thankful for that. And I'm, I'm glad he's, you know, stateside now and I mean, he's, he's uh, living a decent life right now and getting settled. But I was talking to him about it and it's funny because, you know, I'm an Israeli Jew. My, my dad immigrated from Israel in the eighties. Uh, you know, so I, I spent summers in Israel. I lived in Israel after high school for a bit and uh, I'm, I'm sitting there talking to Zabi and it just kind of came up and he's like, I don't care. You're my brother. Right. And that's what matters. Like, like I keep saying, you know, putting these differences aside and uh, even going back to the military, one of my first roommates in the military, you know, was a Pakistani Muslim and we got along great. Yeah. And I think so many people look at, you know, our differences as uh, bad things, whether it's, especially now, when you look at the, the political spectrum, we have so many people that are like, Oh, I'm a Republican. Like, uh, the funniest thing for me is, you know, being a single 30 year old, if I'm on like a dating app and I see, uh, you know, uh, liberals only, or like, I'm like, or, uh, like Trump train or like, I'm like, I don't care. Or like, don't put that in your dating profile. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't care. Um, but I, I think it, it just has come down to, you know, people need to put differences aside. And I think, uh, the, the best and worst of humanity was shown during the Afghan uh, withdrawal yeah. to me. 
definitely like that's something I can say I saw. I saw the absolute best of people putting everything into getting folks out at every dollar, every ounce of, you know, energy to, you know, taking time from their families, from work, from everything to help people they may not have even known across the world. Right. And I also saw the worst, you know, hearing, uh, you know, getting a message uh, of a video of, of a, you know, an execution uh, of someone in the street and, and having to see that. Uh, you know, hear, hearing, you know, some of the stories and, and seeing, I mean, it, it chokes me up, like uh, some of the stuff that, that I had to witness and see or um, hearing about one of the, the women uh, who I'm still in touch with, you know, got her out after uh, she spent three days in a sewage ditch, um, passed out at one point, got dragged out of the sewage ditch, like literal shit water. And she, she was really running for her life. I mean, she had the things that had happened to her prior to that were are like unspeakable, you know, and, and she's in the States now and, and, you know, starting to pick up the pieces of her life. Uh, and that to me, it, to see the worst and then also see the best, uh, it, it's a, a crazy contrast. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So we talked about a lot of the the good things that came of it, right? Some of the wins that you guys had and obviously some of the pretty shitty situations, right? Yeah. How did that affect you? So you said that you've you've pretty much withdrawn from a lot of, you know, the the day-to-day activities of helping these folks. And I can only imagine that having been through all of this and experienced some of it that there's been more or less trauma. I don't know how you want to frame that up that you've probably sat through and kind of relive is there any has there been any of that that you're like man here's some stuff dark stuff that i've learned and gone through that you know i've had to learn to cope with yeah uh so it's, it's funny you mentioned that um i've had my my fair share of, of struggles this year i ended up hospitalized uh earlier this year uh due to some stuff that that kind of um popped off i guess just you know just mental health issues um ended up having uh, panic attacks, stuff like that. And uh, fortunately, I was able to get uh, ketamine-assisted therapy to kind of help with depression and PTSD. Uh, so having developed skills from that, which, I mean, I'm super thankful because, you know, the traditional medicine sense is, hey, let's give this person antidepressants or let's medicate them with, you know, and I took a completely, uh, you know, different approach. So Heroic Hearts, which is, in my opinion, my favorite nonprofit, uh, foot 50% of the bill for me and probably would have paid more if I needed it at the, at the time and provided me an integration coach. So I, I went through, you know, various different um, levels of treatment with them, getting this ketamine-assisted therapy. And that was able to kind of help me develop uh, more, more or less new tools okay. that I, I was able to work with. So I think being able to use, utilize those tools, uh, especially after H Kyle was, was a big help. And, um, I mean, there's definitely some, some stuff that kind of has kept me up at night where I'm like, damn, like, I wish that had worked out better. You know, I, I still do have a family that that's stuck in Afghanistan that I've, I've worked with very heavily. And I started working with during that time and, you know, they're, they're, who knows if, if they'll even get out at this point. I mean, it, it's a very unpredictable situation. And uh, that definitely does keep me awake. Um, I, I'm unfortunately not actively engaged in, uh, 
you know, in that sense, other than making sure they're okay, because we're now at a point where it's like, it's human trafficking, right? Like that's unfortunately where it's at. And uh, I stepped away because that's the last thing. I mean, as much as I would love to help people, I, you know, unfortunately I'm not willing to put my name on that when we're dealing with like a, a now a sovereign government as fucked up as it is to say. Um, but it's, yeah, there's, there's a level of, of, of trauma there that, uh, I think a lot of people are, are going to start having to cope with, but at the end of the day, right. I mean, you have to take it for what it is and we can't help everyone. Uh, and that's one thing I had to learn as a medic as well. And there, there's definitely going to be good and bad that comes from it, but I guess we did the best we could. Um, oh, man, I, I don't even know if I'm fucked up situation. There. Yeah. I don't even know like what to put in there from this. Okay. Okay. So maybe a, like, it's just a weird, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a hard one. maybe, a, maybe another way before I ask, you know, maybe before we move on is yeah. what, what do you want your, I guess your brothers and sisters that helped you in this process, right. Yeah. To know, to help them develop their tools to cope with it too. Just be willing, you know, to reach out, right. There's a, I think we're all willing to help people before we help ourselves. Uh, and that's especially prevalent in, you know, the veteran and first responder communities is, uh, and, and there was always a, it's always a funny thing where like a medic or a nurse or a doctor needs to be treated and we're the worst patients. And uh, it's, I think that also stems from the fact that we're more prevalent in terms of helping someone else. We're going to go help someone uh, rather than ask for help. And it, it comes down to just being, I guess, vulnerable enough and willing enough to accept the help. Right. Uh, I struggle with it now, even just, I don't want to be a burden on someone. I've had tough days where, you know, I've called friends and it's like the hardest thing for me to do because I just, I don't want to be a burden on them. Um, you know, my, uh, my closest friend, um, I think I, can you hear me Mm -hmm. or did it switch up? Nope. We're good. Okay. (laughs) Damn. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you said right. uh, uh, calling your buddies hardest thing. Yes. You called your closest bud. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my closest buddy, Ricky, um, I probably, I call him like pretty much every day. There are times where I know I'm probably a pain in the ass to him because <laughs> of the phone. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And I tell him all the time. Uh, but it's just knowing that, yeah, like you can call someone and, and people do care. Uh, I, I've struggled with it myself where, uh, you know, I lost my job two months ago, actually right after H kayak, uh, ended up losing my job that I relocated to Florida for relocated to Florida for, um, and, uh, so lost my job and I was kind of in a, a dark spot for, for quite some time because of it and didn't want to reach out to anyone and just kept to myself and, and became this, you know, recluse, uh, because I was dealing with the H kayak stuff and I was dealing with losing my job. And I was like, oh, cool. My rent's being increased a shit ton of money. Yeah. And I just didn't have any help uh, in my head. And then I started calling my friends. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. And everyone, you know, stepped up to help. So it, it's taking the time to understand that people do care. And yeah. I, I think that's the best, the best thing I can offer in that regard is like, hey, you know, um, if you're struggling, like call me. Uh, and that, and that's, I think what any friend would say to anyone, hopefully, 
if not get better friends, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is good advice too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if your friends uh, say, Hey, it's not my problem get better friends. Yeah. Yeah. No, fuck seriously. Okay. So now you're doing fun stuff, right? You, you've been doing your photography and your videography for a while. And you said you started doing that as a, as a skater kid, but that's obviously transformed into some, some wicked awesome stuff. So do you mind sharing how, how you got into it as far as the career path goes and uh, kind of what cool projects you've done and are working on? Yeah. So, uh, this is a pretty, um, it's pretty broad. So, uh, I'll start where I can. So I started out actually shooting, uh, CrossFit. Uh, I was, I was pretty big into CrossFit and that, that was literally my first paid thing ever was uh, a gym owner being like, Hey, can you come shoot the CrossFit open? And I had no idea what I was doing. And they paid me like 50 bucks, uh, for five weeks, every Friday night. And I would give them like 400 photos. And like, <laughs> I didn't know this, but the gym owner actually worked in production before that. Okay. Uh, worked on some pretty big TV shows and stuff. He's like, why are you giving me like 400 photos? Like, this is ridiculous. Stop doing that. He's like, you need to find the best ones and send those, edit them and send them. I'm like, okay, got it. Dude. Cool. I, I just like walking around doing, you know, street photography. That's, right. you know, what I love. Like I, I grew up in Philly and, you know, grew up skating and, you know, in, involved in like graffiti culture. Um, you know, I, I wasn't the most law abiding citizen growing up. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I grew up and I didn't know anything about it. So from there, I kind of was like, Oh, well, I need to start learning about this stuff. And that kind of snowballed. I started working with, um, I'd already been doing stuff with a coffee company called, uh, Alpha Brew Coffee. I know you're affiliated with Black Rifle. Don't, don't. <laughs> uh, we know them. It's all good. I know tier. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So Ricky is actually, uh, the founder of Alpha Brew Coffee and I started doing stuff with them. Uh, and that was where I actually did like my first video. Uh, my first paid video anyway, was for them. And from there it just kind of took off to where I started working for, for brands in the CrossFit space. And then from there I took it a step further and I was like, Hey, you know, I know a bunch of, of soft dudes and like former soft guys and, you know, people like that run tactical training companies. And I started shooting stuff in that space. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where it really just started pushing. And I, I for a period, did a video for tactical games before they, they come. Oh, yeah. Up. Yeah. So uh, their videos from like 2018 nice. uh, were uh, the summer of 2018 were mine. Uh, and uh, I started working with a variety of different companies in that space, ultimately ending up uh, full time at a uh, firearms manufacturer down here in Florida for about a year. And that's kind of, I kind of bounce around uh, and now more so getting into uh, kind of who we met through Chase uh, in the Overland and adventure space, because that, that I found is like my, my true passion right now. It's been uh, one of the most, you know, therapeutic and, and just most fun things for me. Uh, so really diving into that market now and, and enjoying that, but uh, still, still work with some tactical companies. I work with uh, Edgar Sherman Designs. I actually am more on the back end for him doing digital marketing and yeah. kind of like social media. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I bounce around a lot. I, I, I don't like having one thing. I've, like I said uh, before we started, you know, I've shot documentaries. Um, you know, I, I, I did a, a really close to the, the heart documentary for me uh, on a friend of mine who unfortunately passed away. And um, I, I definitely 
want to get more involved in the uh, mental health space because of that uh, and, and my own struggles. Uh, so my big my big focus moving forward is, is more in the in the the passion project side of things. Uh, yeah. So I'll be pretty much driving around the country for a bit and doing these uh, mini documentaries, if you will, on you know veterans that have uh, started different businesses or done something that that really kind of took control of their own lives uh you know whether they're they're doing something in the creative space or you know in athletics stuff like that uh as well as potentially catching up with some of these afghans uh that are now stateside so uh that's kind of where i i'm seeing myself going in that space so dude that's awesome i love it i'm i'm jealous that you're going to be able to go just drive around and have fun i think that's going to be so dang cool Dude, I'm, I'm trying to get out to Idaho at some point. So Well, we'll be uh, here. You'll have to let me know when you get here. Uh, Chase was telling me he uh, he gave me one spot to go to up in the Sawtooth. So okay. uh, I, I don't know if my truck is quite equipped, but uh, we'll wing it. But, yeah. Truck for, it? it's a, So I've got an F-150. That all I've got are – I've got – I think they're 28-inch just off-road tires. They're nothing fancy, but I built a camper shell on the back. I'll have to okay. send you – a video, but I built a full camper shell that's all fiberglass and everything. It's got my bed in it. I've got my traction mats. I've got my solar panel on it. Okay. It's a, uh, it, my, uh, my old team at work used to call it my redneck Ritz <laughs> because it looks like just like a piece of shit. Like when I drive through town, people like look at me like it's hilarious because you see all the guys look at it and they're like, this fucking guy, like he knows what's up. And then all their wives are like, that's like that's this disgusting. guy. Fucks. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then all their wives are like, that is terrible. Why would you drive in that? But it's hilarious. Cause like my wife, so she works nights. And like, if we leave somewhere like in the morning to go camp or whatever, I'll actually put her in the back so she can sleep while I'm driving. And it's super fucking sketchy. Cause we'll like pull up into like the gas station or whatever. And I'll like, I'll, I'll unlock the tailgate and I'll open the door and I'll like, I have to like push the door up and put a trekking pole to hold the door up. And then she'll crawl out. Like all like messed, like hair messed up and it totally looks like trafficking, you know? Yeah, but she like, comes up. Her? yeah right. I actually, yeah, there was one guy, there was one guy that I know saw me and he like, he just was like looking at me like, Oh my God. And I'm like, no, it's everything's fine. Like she's laughing. I hope laugh, you know, like, yeah, she's but, yeah. like <laughs> I know. Yeah. It'd be so bad, but it's pretty funny. But anyways, <clears throat> that's pretty sweet, man. So for guys, that, guys and gals that are trying to get into photography, right. I know that we talked networking. I'm learning that that's probably like the biggest thing out there. Right. What would you say has been the most helpful for you as far as getting into, into photography and videography full-time we all start somewhere uh i think people the best advice i've ever been given is uh done is better than perfect and it was actually by a, a brazilian guy um he i met him at the crossfit games and uh, we became really good friends and i'll never forget him saying that and it, it just resonated with me because you could put in you know hours upon hours into especially video video is, is a black hole of, you oh, know, I can imagine. Yes. Yeah. It's tedious. And, uh, you know, he said that to me and it, it completely resonated with me of like, Oh, you know, get projects done. Right. Like don't, don't wait. Don't, you know, Oh, this needs to be better. I mean, obviously if it's, you know, horrible, you know, fix what you can, but, 
uh, at the end of the day, done is better than perfect because if you're not creating and you're just spending all the time trying to refine and refine and refine that same piece, you, you're missing opportunities and you're missing the chance to grow as a creator. And you're consistently just going to get better. Like yeah. that, that's the thing, right? If, if, you, if you do it, you're going to get better. You're going to learn. You're going to develop new techniques, stuff like that. So uh, I think that that's definitely an applicable thing is, is, you know, done is better than perfect. Yeah. Did you have any formal training or did you kind of just teach and learn as you just went? learned on my own, uh, you know, kind of the YouTube university. Fortunately, I knew how to shoot manual already. Yeah. Uh, just from, you know, shooting film when I was a kid. Uh, and, and then, yeah, so learning that and then kind of just diving in at first and, and more, you know, kind of trial by error type deal, like learning what works, what it doesn't work. And I mean, I think everyone, no one's an expert in it. <laughs> there's always something, you know, there's always going to be a better creator. There's always going to be, you know, and, and that's just the nature of it and, and being happy with being able to create is the big thing. Yeah, so. for sure. So you're, uh, as you start traveling and stuff, are you planning on, you said you're going to do these little small documentaries. Are you going to throw them up on YouTube, do full length movie at some point? I mean, if people want to follow you along where they can, where so can they find you? I think I'm going to kind of jump back to YouTube. Uh, I'm entertaining the whole Patreon thing, but we'll see. Uh, but right now, you know, uh, I'm probably just going to keep things to Instagram early yeah. as I kind of prepare for it and then see about shifting back over to YouTube. I don't, I don't really, I never really had a, a functioning YouTube page. Yeah. So, or channel, but I'd like to, I'd like to do it. I got to figure out what the, what the end goal is, I guess. Yeah. So that's cool. And uh, where can people find your Instagram? Uh, so my Instagram is R E A L K O B Y. It's a uh, real Kobe, I guess. Underscore. <laughs> um, but it's actually not real Kobe. It was an email that was sent a long time ago Re-alc. <laughs> yes and then someone took it out they, they took it out and then it was real kobe and no one noticed it for like two weeks and this email kept going and now it's just an inside joke so, <laughs> okay i promise i don't think i'm the real kobe real kobe, kobe. real okay well i'll make Brian, sure it's r.i.p <laughs> yeah. so you'll, you'll probably have to attach a link no one can even really pronounce my last name it's al kobe i've heard everything you know in basic they called me Air, uh, trainee Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it all. Just, yeah. <laughs> so I, I've heard it all. It's, okay. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, is there anything that you feel like we glazed over or missed that you want to talk about before we call it coach? Man, we talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a lot of talk. To touch on. Talked about Afghanistan. Yep. I didn't, I didn't say that worked for various people that I shouldn't probably talk about. Nope. Um, in a sense I did, but I didn't, yep. uh, we talked about contracting a little bit, uh, talked about me being a, a failure in selection, <laughs> um, photography, uh, briefly touched on psychedelics. Not really. Um, I don't know, man. Whatever, like I'm, I'm an open book. I think okay. for the most part. Yeah, I think uh, I'm out of questions. I'm just making sure that we we got we got what you wanted to uh, felt like talking about. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about like I don't know, veteran small business, dive into that. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, 
I guess, are you running uh, your photography? Is it a photography business now that you're running or are you just doing freelance as is? Uh, so I guess I'm still, so obviously I have an LLC uh, formally and then I, I'm looking at that, structuring that as more of a creative agency of sorts. Uh, and I, I work heavily in the, the veteran small business space. That's kind of my passion, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I knock the veteran community a lot. Uh, I, I definitely talk a lot of shit about the veteran community, but, uh, you know, I think, I think that's kind of part of it, uh, and, and being able to kind of help the, the folks that are doing good things. And, uh, that's kind of where I keep myself unless I'm working with friends and other like passion projects. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I've been pretty much freelancing for a few different veteran owned businesses right now and, and other businesses as well, but. Uh, definitely the freelance side of things is, is where I'm at. Uh, I still, I'm still with Alpha Brew Coffee more as uh, a partner than just working with them freelance. Outside of that, I work with Bald Bros pretty heavily. Uh, mm. Those are, you know, that they're they're family to me. I love those guys yeah. uh, so much. And I, I you know, every t- every chance I get to hang out with them, uh, I jump on it. Um, and then, you know, pretty much the right now them uh kinetic perspective is an artist uh he's in a right now an air national guard jtac uh really really close friend of mine and being able to kind of work with these folks through and through is is honestly we get to work but it's i get to hang out with my friends and that's like the best thing about it is uh i get to dictate what i do and and who i work with i love that so that's pretty sweet i'm jealous yeah amen (laughs) you know, <laughs> podcast is going to blow up and you know, all you get to do is talk to people. I hope so. At some point, my, my wife would like it. Cause then I wouldn't annoy her half as much as I do now. So this, I definitely want in. Um, I don't know where you want to place it. Feel free to do whatever you want in post-production. Uh, I do have one thing I would love to, to a piece of advice, if you will, that I'd love to give to veterans. Uh, a lot of people, and, and I, I try to, to, not be the typical bro vet and we all have to move on once we've separated that's a, a given uh, i think a lot of people we do attach ourselves to the past many times and that those are our experiences and, and we earn those experiences um, but one thing that i think the veteran community as a whole needs to understand uh, both internally and with people that may not be in the veteran community is that we are taking advantage of a lot both by our own uh, because we do eat our own and then by others looking to exploit our experiences and our networks um, and people veterans especially need to be very cautious when they do uh, look at opportunities and make sure that it's not to exploit that yeah. uh, because at the end of the day many people uh, can say they they truly support veterans and they they support veterans in the workspace and they want you to work there and this and that, but at the end of the day, that's not always the case. Uh, and many, many times folks don't know how to deal with us. They don't know, uh, they don't necessarily appreciate many times how upfront we are about specific things. And we do need to be mindful of that when, especially when looking at like employment. So um, I don't know if I phrase that the best way, yep. but don't get taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much be, be cautious about, you know, who you invest your time with, uh, and also who is trying to, I guess, partner with you professionally, because there are people out there that may not have the purest of intentions. Right. So. 
Okay. No, that's great advice. That's great life advice in general. Yeah. Okay. So, Sweet. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, this what else? Awesome. <laughs> uh, dude, I, like, I hope this was good. No, man. I loved it. It was great. Well, I hope you all enjoyed Paul's story. I had a great time chatting with you, dude. It was fun hearing your story and uh, kind of the role that you played in getting folks out of Afghanistan. Um, I know that I think that we were talking either during or after um, that uh, your story reminded me a lot of the movie Argo and helping get folks out. So I appreciate everything that you've done. Um, I will link uh, Paul's Instagram in the episode description. But like I said, um, thank you all for, uh, for listening, engaging the stories, the podcast and, uh, providing feedback. If you haven't yet, you know, a good Christmas present to me would be a, a like and a review and a subscribe. Um, but otherwise I hope you all have a great Christmas. Like I said, um, I will be returning with a ton of episodes, uh, in 2022 starting January 10th. So, uh, subscribe and uh, stay tuned, but otherwise I hope you all have a great day, a great Christmas, stay safe, get outside and we will catch you here soon.